May all grace, mercy, and peace be in your name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's our gospel lesson from John chapter 16 that serves as the focus for our sermon this morning. So I'm told that there's a, a couple of very basic rudimentary ways to teach somebody something. First, we can teach someone something that we want them to know, perhaps at a later time. And then second, we can teach somebody something we think that they can understand right now, right in the moment. So to the first way uh, of teaching, I remember taking a math class that back, way back in high school that to this day I still can't pronounce. don't even remember what it was, but I remember sitting in this math class and thinking to myself, I am in way over my head, way over my head. And I had that moment in time where I thought this, and perhaps you've had one of these moments too. When am I ever going to use this in life? Right? This is one of those classes that you just had to take. Well, sure enough, I've learned over the years, by the way, never to say that again, because sure enough, it was about seven, eight years later when I was in the Navy sending up, you know, in a helicopter over the Atlantic Ocean with an instructor tracking submarines that I had to recall that math to use it. And uh, it was one of those aha moments where the instructor sitting there reteaching me this math that the light bulb went off and I'm like, I understand what that person was saying 30-some-odd years ago, right? And then the second way of teaching, uh, I guess it would be kind of like, you know, my parents raising me up and teaching me how to be a gentleman and teaching me manners and teaching me how to do chores. Those were things that they thought I can understand or that I could understand right there, then and there, in the moment. And, you know, to be honest with you, much is the same with learning and understanding in God's kingdom, There are things that we learn from Jesus that we can understand from his example, from his teachings, but there are other things that we will learn at a later time, learn in a moment, maybe in a situation. And let's face it, people, we never really stop learning, do we? Take the disciples, for example. They're in the upper room today with Jesus. Jesus has been teaching them and continues to to speak to them when he lays this on them. I still have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. You know, when I get to this particular passage, it it causes me to stop for a moment. It uh, it gives me questions, (laughs) to be honest with you. Um, how can Jesus be saying these things to the disciples when just a chapter earlier in John 15, Jesus says to the disciples, no longer do I call you servants, for your servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So how is it then that, that Jesus has said this, that all that he's heard from his Father is made known to him, then how can he have more to tell the disciples? How's it even possible? Is he saying that there's going to be a new revelation, a new message? How can he have more to tell? What more can he tell me today? What more can he tell us? I mean, think of the things that Jesus has taught us this for. He's taught us to love and to be merciful and not to worry, to be pure in heart and to love our neighbors as ourselves and, and love God with all of our heart. He tells us to take up our cross, and, and he also tells us that things won't exactly go smoothly for us as his followers. And here we are. We're still falling, right? What do we miss? What do, what do we miss hearing from you, Jesus? What more do you have to teach us? Come on, we can take it. <laughs> or can we? Would we be prepared 
Would those disciples be prepared in that moment to hear all the things that Jesus has to say? You know, I'm reminded of that scene from, you remember the movie A Few Good Men? It had uh, Tom Cruise who played uh, Lieutenant Caffey, and you had um, Jack Nicholson who played uh, Colonel Jessup, and they're in the JAG courtroom, and, and uh, Colonel Jessup says, I'll answer your questions. You want answers? And uh, Lieutenant Caffey says, yeah, you know, I think I'm entitled to them. And Colonel Jessup says again, you want answers? And he says, I, I want the truth. And what does uh, Colonel Jessup say? Son, you can't handle the truth. Sometimes I wonder if I could handle being a disciple in that upper room, handle in a moment in time what Jesus was saying. Sometimes I wonder if I can handle what Jesus is telling me in the Bible. You know, think of the disciples for a moment. Jesus has been teaching them all along. He, he said many things to them, and at times they've had trouble understanding them. They couldn't understand Jesus predicting his death. They didn't know where Jesus was going, so they couldn't figure out what, they, what he meant by being the way, the truth, and the life. Disciples have stumbled all over the parables that Jesus has given them. They couldn't seem to get a grasp on Jesus, even as they're, they're clinging to him in the moment. So if they're having trouble understanding Jesus then, then maybe they weren't quite ready to hear what Jesus, what more Jesus had to say in that moment in time. But here's the thing about what Jesus says, what he says to them, about not being able to bear the things in that moment. Jesus doesn't say this to leave the disciples hanging. But he is running short on time. He doesn't have much more time with them because you know what happens the next day. And then Jesus continues, though. He doesn't leave him hanging. Here's what he says to him: When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. This does not mean that there's some new teaching or some new kind of revelation. What it does relate to is how Christ's death and resurrection will apply to the disciples, will apply to the church after Pentecost. You know, when the disciples receive the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, they continue to be led into the future and have a better understanding of life in God's kingdom post-resurrection. And what we see the disciples then go on to do many wonderful things in the name of Jesus in the book of Acts. But for the moment, they're still in the upper room, and they're still having trouble understanding Jesus, and they still don't understand where he's going, and they're confused even further you know, when uh, Jesus says that in a little while they won't see him, and then in a little while longer and they'll see him again, and that really throws him for a loop. And perhaps it's right here at this juncture that we can begin to understand why Jesus tells them that they can't bear all the, all the things he still has yet to say to them. He knows his time's running short, and rather than spending whatever time he has left with them, trying to, to, to give them new things and to get them to understand, he begins to comfort them. He begins to prepare them for what's about to happen to them. Because that's what Jesus does. He knows exactly the situation and the words to say uh, and how to say them. He knows exactly how to direct and to teach and to guide. He knows exactly when somebody can't bear something at a particular moment in time. Which is the case here with the disciples. Instead of spending that time, he begins preparing them. Like what's going to happen to him, how he's going to be tortured and killed. And he prepares them with words of comfort and things that will prepare them for life post-resurrection. He tells his disciples that they will lament while the world rejoices, but 
that their sorrow will eventually turn into joy. He tells them that he will see them again, and their hearts will rejoice, and nobody can steal that joy from them. They won't understand this right now, but they will come to understand it later. You know, sometimes we too have a hard time understanding God. <laughs> we question Him. I know I do. We ask why things happen. We think we know what Jesus is all about and all of His teachings, and then we find ourselves doing just the opposite of what He's taught us. We, we get fed information by the world, and we have a hard time discerning what the world's telling us compared to what God's telling us. We hear social injustices and racial inequalities on a daily basis, and, and we feel bad at times, but don't really do anything about it because it doesn't affect us. You know, it's like sometimes, my friends, that we forget that God is real, that he's present, and that he's alive, and that he's at work. It's like we forget that he's always constantly looking down on his creation and active in his creation. It's like we think he's a distant God. You know, it's that Jesus, you know, that Jesus factor. We sit in the four walls of the church and we learn about him and all that. And we feel good about Jesus and whatnot. And then we get mired down in, in society and we forget what it's all about. We forget that he's there working. So what are we to do? Is that all Jesus has to say found just strictly in the Bible? Does he, does he only teach there? Does he not also teach in moments in life? Out in our daily lives? How do we move forward as a church? The same way the disciples do, led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is how God continues to stay connected with his people after the resurrection, even still today. You know, just as Joshua took over for Moses the responsibility of leading God's people into the promised land, so the Holy Spirit takes over for Jesus, leading us towards the truth. The Holy Spirit won't lead us astray, but he'll keep us on the, on the path of righteousness. He won't lead us foolishly. He'll lead us with God's wisdom. And the Holy Spirit will help us discern between right and wrong, between justice and injustice. And the Holy Spirit doesn't speak from himself, but will speak whatever he hears from a direct line from God through the Son, through the Holy Spirit, directly to our ears, our hearts. And the Holy Spirit will declare all things that are coming that refers to the kingdom of God to the realm of Christian truth, of how we live our lives in God's kingdom. Think of the disciples for a moment. They weren't able to handle anything more that Jesus was to tell them in the upper room. But they are able to handle it later. In fact, in Acts 10, uh, when Peter gets the vision from God, this is the, the turning point where the church starts to understand and begin to welcome Gentiles. God doesn't reveal a new truth to Peter regarding his love for the Gentiles. He's already done that as far back as Jonah, if not further. But what he is, is doing is revealing that the church will gradually start to appreciate what he, God, has revealed about his love for creation long ago. And here we are today, and God is still connected with his people. The Holy Spirit still guides the church. We find our situations constantly changing, constantly evolving. New technologies emerge. Politics are constantly evolving, right? And every day there's a new plight. There's a new problem in the world. And yet the spirit of truth is standing ready to guide us and help us to relate to God's truth to new situations, to help us relearn 
his ancient truth, faithful truths, and apply them in new ways. And it's in our baptisms that God has given us a direct connection with him and the saints of all time. It, it, it is through the Holy Spirit that we learn how to discern information, that we learn how, how to discern between right and wrong and justice and injustice and whatnot. And it's by the Holy Spirit working on us through us then others are also able to see that God is real, that He's alive, and He continues to love all of His creation. You recognize, you remember the name Roald Abmanson? Does that recognize, ring a bell with anybody? Roald Abmanson. He was a famous explorer, Norwegian explorer, who discovered the magnetic meridian of the, of the North Pole, and he also discovered the South Pole. Well, it was on one of his, his trips when he reached the top of the world that he had taken a homing pigeon with him. And when he got to the top of the world, he opened the cage and let it go. And it flew all the way back to his house in Norway. Imagine the look on his wife's face when she's standing in the doorway and sees this homing pigeon circling her house as she understood that her husband was alive and well. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Letting the Holy Spirit, uh, as it works through us and shine through us, and other people say, God is alive and well. God is at work in this world. He cares about us, and, and, his, and, and his love is very much real. You know, the Holy Spirit helps us to live life properly in God's kingdom. No matter what, we, what situations we find ourselves in the world, God will stand there with us working through us to help us to overcome, to bring us hope into the world. And I pray, my friends, that we listen to the Holy Spirit work in our lives. Listen to it as it calls out to us. Because there's so much more that Jesus wants to tell us. And to God be all the glory. Amen.